Hey everyone, it's Kevin Morris with the Better Bible Reading Podcast, and welcome to episode 17 and another edition of our Teaching Thursdays. These are sermons, classes, Sunday school lectures, recordings that I'm sharing with you. And so I hope you enjoy another edition of this. Today we are talking about reading, praying, and meditating, which is a fitting theme to some of our previous episodes we've had. And this is a sermon coming from Psalm 119, where we can see a beautiful example of how all three of those elements of the Christian life, and especially our engagement of Bible reading, all come together in the practice of reading, praying, and meditating. So this is a great example of seeing how those feed off of one another and how important it is to see that we are doing not one, not two, but all three of those things. And so I hope that you benefit and grow from listening to this sermon recording. I want to invite you, especially those of you who are new to this podcast, new to me, new to the Better Bible Reading world, to go over to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training because there you will get free training of how to study the Bible literally from scratch. I take you through a step-by-step process. It's totally free, and I think it's a great introductory um, tool to a lot of the things that I am pushing out from Better Bible Reading, and you can get a flavor for the kind of things that I want to help you with. And so this is a great tool for you to learn how to study a book of the Bible, how to go about that from beginning to end, what things to look out for, and how to do so without getting lost in all of the technicalities of the academic world, but also not to go after it in a simplistic, confusing approach. This is, I think, a balanced training that is really for anyone and I think you can benefit greatly from it. So again, that's betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training, and you'll get direction from there. You'll get that free training straight to your email inbox. But without further ado, here is reading, praying, and meditating from Psalm 119. Hope you enjoy the sermon. Thanks for hanging out with me and listening to another episode here on the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Turn to Psalm 119. That's where we're going to be at this morning. There are three vital things that we are after here at this church. And there's three things that are vital for us are reading, praying, and meditating. Um, The Bible gives us this kind of command to read and to pray and to meditate. Um, So you may say, well, Pastor Kevin, um, Jesus didn't come to his disciples and say, if you want to follow me, read, pray, and meditate. Everything's going to be fine. He didn't say that. He said, take up your cross and follow me, and that's how it goes. But in order to follow Jesus, we have to be reading, praying, and meditating. And that is not for a legalistic set of practices, but that is because that is how God has ordained and designed us to commune with him. That is how we communicate with God. That is how we grow our relationship with God. Those are the ways, those are the freedoms, those are the privileges, those are the means that he has set before us in order to do that. 
So when you hear us throwing around read, pray, meditate all the time here, it's not because we want you to have this fancy checklist of things to do and so you can feel spiritually superior to your other family members or your other friends or whoever. It's because that is how God has designed it. Um, So what I want to do this morning is show you biblical grounds for doing that. And we're going to find that in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a gigantic chapter. Um, Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that it's the biggest chapter in the entire Bible. It's huge. Um, And it's full of so many different things. The passage that we're going to be looking at is verse 25, and we're going to read 25 through 28. And the the reason that I like this psalm so much is because it, it really gets at our heart. It really gets at our desires, um, and really, for us, there's, there's no escape when we come to this psalm. Um, we can come here on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, and we can throw around a lot of uh, Christian ideas, um, a lot of Christian phrases. In fact, we can come here and we can say um, the word brother, we can say the word hallelujah, we can say the word blessed, we can say the word faith, and we can feel uh, spiritually adequate. Um, And we can even get to some Bible verses about loving each other and um, serving together. You know, I talked about serving a a few weeks ago. But when we come to this psalm, it presents us with our desires. And this psalm is written in a a personal way. Um, The psalmist uses the word my, I, me. So when we come to this, we are completely um, done away with the privilege of being able to get up, get up underneath somebody else's faith. Or we, we're, able to, um, we're no longer able to come together as one church and say, us, we, and yeah, we're strong, all this stuff, we can just agree as a group. We're, we can't do that when we get to this psalm. We have to examine ourselves. And what I would want you to do when we read this is to see this psalm as a mirror. And the only question that we can ask when we read this psalm is, is this psalmist describing me or is he describing somebody else? And that's the question that we're going to have to answer this morning. So what I want to do is encourage you guys to really ask the Lord as we read this, Lord, is this me? Is this my lifestyle? Is this my heart's desire Or is he talking about somebody other than me? If he is, what I want to ask you guys to do is pray that the Lord would allow you to repent, allow you to be convicted, and allow you to grow. So let's read. We're going to read 25 through 28. I'll pray, and then we'll we'll get into it. That's what he says. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Let's pray together. Father God, we we thank you that you provide us with a building with with the kind of storm that we had last night we're we're really just thankful that this building's even still here with with uh, no known damage um the roof isn't missing the acs are working probably too well 
but we thank you that you've given us a place here to worship you. We get to sing. We get to be loud. We don't have to worry um, about people hearing us and being killed or being sent off and imprisoned because of the faith that we have, because the testimony that we have about Jesus Christ. And Lord, those things are privileges, and they're also not the norm if we look at the rest of the world. So because of that, God, I just pray that you would give us the greatest benefit that we can have from reading and studying this, and that we would be able to see the truth of reading and meditating and, and praying and how that is the, the air that we breathe as Christians. That is your design for us, God, so that we can know you. Do your work, God, in your word, in our hearts, and we will give you glory as you grow us, as you save people in this congregation, as the kingdom of God grows and expands because of lives that are changed and given to Jesus Christ. And we pray and ask this in his name. Amen. Okay. So hopefully you saw um, three things, um, and you'll see them in the first three verses. Uh, Verse 25, we have this idea of God's word. Verse 26, we have this idea of confession, of talking with God, which we would call prayer. And then verse 27, we have the idea of meditation. So there's the three things we talk about very often here. Um, and they're elsewhere in the Bible, but I believe this is a good passage to really see all of them together and how they work together. So let's look at that first one. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. I got a lot of scripture this morning. I'm going to go through it. We're going to just focus on these four verses so that way you don't have to turn. If you do want them, you can just come to me. I can email them to you. I can write them down if you'd like them for studying later. Um, but there, they are a lot, so I'm just going to have them here on my notes and go through them. Um, so let's observe that first. My soul clings to the dust. Um, When God created man, in Genesis chapter 2, it says that he formed man from the dust of the earth. And when he did that, he did a second thing. He breathed life into him. So you have this composition of dust, this, this formation of dust, but you have no life. You just have dust. But at the moment that God breathes into that dust... Life happens, becomes living being, and so on and so forth. We are created from dust, according to the Bible, and we can also see that, even if you disagree, anybody who has died, who has passed away, what happens? Become dust again. That's, that's, you can tell. Um, though we have bones, though we have water, though we have blood, though we have all these things in our bodies, eventually we see where we come from. We come from dust. And so, when he creates this man out of dust... His breath is what gives the life. Uh, Consider this that Jesus says. This is from John 6.63. He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So here we have Jesus saying that his words are life. His words are spirit, and he says that the spirit is the one who gives life. So therefore, Jesus' words are life-giving. And the psalmist says, his soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. 
Here, here's a verse that we um, are probably pretty aware of, um, saying it and, and quoting it, memorizing it. Um, but notice something here. This is in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, etc. That's a really interesting idea um, because... We can be burdened. We can be absolutely just shaken up in this world. Um, I, I would venture to guess that most of you who come in here today aren't coming in here just all chipper and happy. You, you, have, you have a week of, of labor behind you. You have turmoil behind you. You have very difficult phone conversations that you've had to have this week. You've had very difficult coworkers to deal with. And maybe you're the difficult coworker that everybody else has had to deal with all week. But the truth is, our souls cling to the dust. We get weary, don't we? We get absolutely weary. We get just spent. We get wrung out. And the reason that we come here on Sunday mornings is for strengthening, is for growth, is for God to give us that life that we so desperately need because our souls cling to the dust. But what does it say? It says all scripture is breathed out by God. Remember that, that picture, that idea. You, you have Adam who's formed from the dust. And what happens? God breathes into him and then you have life. And Paul says in 2 Timothy that scripture is the same way. You have scripture as this breath of God, as this giver of life to our weary souls. And the psalmist knows this because his soul has, is clinging to the dust and he needs life. And he knows that life can be found in God's word. Is there any reason why you think we over and over again say, read your Bible, get in the word. You have like two dozen Bibles in your house. Read one of them. Give the rest to somebody who doesn't have one. Read them. Why? Because it's what gives us life. We find life when we open up the pages of God's Word and read it. That's how He does it. But the, the, the terrifying reality is, is we don't read it. We don't read it like we should. We maybe skim through it. We maybe reference a quick verse so we can win an argument with somebody at work. Um, and sadly, we think that Oh, I can, I can get by without God's word. Or, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't read all this week. I'll make up for it on Friday. It, it's, it's terrifying because the truth of the matter is, here's the number one excuse. My life is too busy. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough hours in the day to read God's word. But if God's word is life, how can we say my life is too busy for life? You can't say that. And in fact, I would say, if God's word is the life that he gives us, is the sustenance that he gives us, is the strength that he gives us, then how in the world can we say, I don't have time for that? It, does it sound like, if that's the truth, does it sound like that God's word is maybe an option for us to dig into and read? Or does it sound like it's vital for us? It's vital for us. If, if, we, if we are underwater and we hold our breath for a very long time, 
and we start to feel the burn. We start to maybe get the dizziness. We start to be like, okay, I can't handle it down here much longer. Is it, is it an option to swim up and, and get another breath? Or is it you're going to die if you don't? You're going to die. Okay, that wasn't a trick question. You're going to die if you don't. How can we say our souls, as they cling to the dust, as they get spent, as they get wrung out, that God's word is, is maybe an option? Look, he has provided us a way of strength. He's provided us a way of the continuing on of life. And we shun it as if it's not important. But if we don't have God's word, we don't have life. We're spinning our wheels and we will be dead before we know it. It may not look like that because maybe you have just this, this awesome house and you have a, a group of friends that surround you. But if you don't have God's word, you will be spent, you will be wrung out, and you will have no way of strengthening because you're neglecting the one thing that he has said will strengthen you. So is it important to read God's word? Absolutely. Is it a good idea? Yes. Is it vital? Is it necessary? Yes. So when you hear us pleading with you, when you hear us always checking on each other, Wednesday night groups, Sunday night groups, you know, a lot of times we're, we talk about um, whether or not we've been in God's word lately and we pray for each other to be in God's word. Don't receive it as this legalistic thing of here's just another thing to do. If you see it as necessary for life, see it as important as eating a meal. See it as important as getting sleep. Those aren't things you can neglect very long. You will start to decay if you neglect those things. And the same way with God's word. But there's another way that our souls cling to the dust um, besides just the, the weariness of life. Now, God's word is, is probably not always your number one, like this is what I desire to do today above everything else. Because most times we um, really set out in the day as I'm going to read God's word, I'm going to have a good time, and then something else comes up. Or you get on Facebook and check a quick status and you're on there for two and a half hours before you know it. And then you click on this link and then that link and then your dogs have to go outside. So you take them out and then you're like, you know what, I actually haven't eaten anything today. So then you eat and then you're like, man, I got to call this person. And before you know it, the day is over and you haven't even opened the Bible. And we get stuck in that kind of a cycle. And let me just challenge you. A lot of that has to do with the fact that God's word is not your desire, is not your priority. And that's because our souls cling to the dust. Our dust is anything that, okay, Adam is created from dust, but there's no life in that until God breathes into him. So you have dust, you can have all the dust you want, but it does you absolutely no good until you have the breath of God to give it life. And so it is with our lives. We are naturally rebellious against God. We, we sin, and sometimes we sin um, during conviction. Sometimes we sin with absolutely no conviction. If we aren't following God, if we don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we openly sin. It is what we like. It is what we gravitate towards. And believer, you have to understand the dust is your default position don't believe me, check your desires, check your temptations. The dust is our default. The dust is what we gravitate towards. The dust is what we actually like. So we need God's help, don't we? We can't just, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to do better tomorrow. 
I'm sure that wasn't the first day that you said, I'm going to do better tomorrow. And it's not working very well. God has called us to just grab on to his word. And if your desire isn't there, great opportunity to confess it to God and ask him, give me desires that are honorable to you. Give me a desire for your word. If I don't like your word, if I don't want to read it, if I get no satisfaction in reading it, guess what? Ask him for help. He is gracious to give us help with that. And that's, a, that's not a one prayer thing. That's a every day, Lord, give me desires for things that, that please you, not for desires that please my flesh. Help me to gravitate towards the things of the spirit and not towards the things of dust because that's what I want to do. We are in a world of temptation. We're in a world of rebellion. And as much as we like to act like we're victims, we all know that we sin just as well. So we're also part of the problem. And the first step is admitting that. If you don't admit it, you don't see your need for God's word and you will not have strength. Give me life, Lord, and give me life from your word. Let that be our plea to God. Second thing is in verse 26. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Um, when, we're, when we think about prayer, the Bible has tons of stuff in it about prayer. Um, but I think one of the really good models of prayer and probably a good model that even if you're not a believer, you probably are familiar with is the Lord's Prayer. Um, we, you know, most of us have it memorized and when we ask the question, what is prayer? What is Jesus' model for us in prayer? I think it can be summarized this way. I think it can be summarized as acknowledging that we are dust and acknowledging that God is the author of life, the giver of life. That's the first step. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What is that? It is a prayer of acknowledging, Lord, I am not independent of you. Lord, I am the creation. You are the creator. I am the dust. I am the clay. You are the potter. You are the provider. I am the receiver of what you provide. That is what Jesus models for us in prayer. When you observe your prayer life, do you observe your prayer life as something to where you're asking God for help? Or do you Approach God as if you have this awesome, great plan, and you're just kind of asking him to get on board with your plan. Now, I'll say, most of the time, it's the second one. And most of the time, our prayers have to start this way. When I told of my ways, okay, there it is. What, what are my ways? What, are, what is the consideration of our ways? I think, go back to verse 25, that we are dust. That's where it's got to be. When I considered that I am dust, that my soul clings to the dust, I confess that to you, Lord. We talk about confession all the time here. And we talk about confession just in, in conversation with people. And a lot of times people think, well, well, why do I even need to confess anything to God since he's all-knowing, 
He knows everything. Why do I even need to pray? Well, it's not to tell him something that he doesn't know. It's to acknowledge something that you need to know. It's to get something (laughs) embedded into your heart that you have to understand that you are dust and dust alone without the breath of God. And that's where Jesus leads us in the Lord's Prayer to acknowledge that he is God. He is the one that brings in the kingdom and we're asking him to do his work. We're asking him to provide for us. We're asking him to forgive us. We have to have that kind of a mindset. So that's pretty cool. But there's also another side to that. He says, um, and, and I know that I've checked a couple of translations. Some of them are a little bit different. Um, but most of them will say, when I told my ways, you answered me or you responded Um, And what he's getting at is that when we pray, when we confess our ways to God, God responds to us by teaching us something. So you ask the question, is prayer a one-sided thing or is it a two-sided thing? Do we just throw our requests up to God, go about our day and just say, yeah, hopefully he heard like at least maybe half of it. If you heard half of it, that'd be great. If you heard all of it, that'd be awesome. That's not the way we approach prayer because prayer is a conversation between ourselves and God. So how does that work? How does God answer us? How does he respond to us? How does he teach us? Well, I want you to consider uh, two verses here. And um, these are two in a large group of verses that I found. But here's two that I think will help. Um, Here's one, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Okay? So there's the first um, example of prayer. Okay? So one side of it is we, we talk to God. Okay? Obviously, when I told of my ways, when we confess to God, when we um, bring to Him our burdens and our anxieties and our humiliation, the Spirit intercedes for us. Um, We say all the time, I don't know how to pray. I don't know maybe the best way that I could pray, or I don't want to pray around you people because you're just so good at it, and I'm not good at it. Well, the first thing we have to remember that is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, does us a great favor. That's when we don't know how to rightly communicate to God the way that we should, that the Spirit steps in and intercedes for us. And I can't explain to you really how that works, but It's almost as if you have a child walking up to an adult and the child is just really trying to explain something to the adult and the adult's just, you know, kind of, kind of just um, respecting the child and listening to him. And then uh, the parent of the child comes up and he says, I think what little Johnny is trying to say is this. And I think that's, maybe that's really cheesy, but that's what helps me. I think that's a good picture of how the Holy Spirit steps in and intercedes for us. Because to be honest with you, my prayers aren't going to win me any awards because I don't have the greatest way of praying. I don't have just the perfect words to say. We don't have just the perfect words to say because God has designed it for us to rely on the Holy Spirit to be the one who intercedes for us. When we are, here's a good one, when we're clinging to the dust, and we're just completely just down to our last. The Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. When we're so burdened beyond words, the Holy Spirit steps in and intercedes. 
that's a great help. But the Holy Spirit is not just who interprets or intercedes on our behalf to God. It also works the other way. Here's, here's a verse. John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So, think about prayer. What's the, what's, what's the, what's the final consummation of prayer? What, what's the end result of prayer? I want you to see that prayer is not us trying our best to tell God what we want, what we don't want, what we need help with, but prayer is a reliance on the Holy Spirit. And the other way is God answers us. God brings to mind what we need to know, what we need to remember from the words of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So you ask the question, how does God answer us? When I told of my ways, you answered me. How does he do that? He does it through the Holy Spirit. But what does the Holy Spirit do? He brings to remembrance the things that Jesus has said, that he has taught, and that he has done. Where else do we get that but the Bible? Nowhere. Where else do we have the true teachings of Jesus Christ? The Bible. So here's the question that we really have to understand. How can we say we have a very strong prayer life if we don't spend time in the Word? How can we say we have a very strong time in the Word if we don't spend time on our knees in prayer? Do you see that they are dependent upon one another? Do you see that you can't be great in one and be terrible in the other? They feed off of each other. It is the way that God has designed it. And I think that's why the psalmist has these verses together the way that he does, because they build off of each other. How can we ever look at our lives, look at our circumstances, and expect this great answer from God with the circumstances of life if we don't have the Word of God to bring us clarity? We will be living in confusion. Some of you know this, some of you have, some of you maybe even are living in confusion because you're continuously praying to God, asking Him to answer you. You're trying to interpret all your life events, all your circumstances, and you've spent no time in the Word, and you're just wondering, why in the world can I not get a clear answer from God? Because you haven't been in the Word. You have to be in the Word. Otherwise, prayer, prayer is a one-sided conversation where we're just throwing requests up to God, hoping He hears us, and just continuing on with our day. That's not how He designed it. He's designed them to work together. We cannot be sure of anything in our lives if we don't have the Word of God to be our interpreter, to be our teacher, to be our reminder of what we're praying for. So there's what we have to do. Um, my problem when I was studying this is I noticed when I think of prayer, I think all about me. And what Scripture is saying is prayer is all about the work of the Holy Spirit, not about me. And once I noticed that, of course, I had to pray and repent of that. Because you know, we get stuck in this kind of thing that we pray 
and we completely forget about the Holy Spirit. We just say, okay, me, God the Father, and that's it. And that's not how it works. It's the Holy Spirit who does the bringing of our request to God and the understanding of his answer to us. And so here's the question. Jude 1, 19, I'm sorry, Jude 1, 19 through 20. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what we have to understand. If we are not a believer, you can never have a sure answer of prayer. Because according to this, people who are worldly don't have the Spirit. People who are Christians not only have the Spirit, but pray in the Spirit. And it's like we've said, prayer is the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you have to understand that you're just throwing up requests to God. But if you see your need for the Holy Spirit and you see your need for the Word of God, humble yourself before God and ask Him, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. Give me salvation. Give me an understanding of Jesus. Give me a remembrance of the things that He's taught. And He will. It's His design. Verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Um, meditate, I don't know how many of you think of Buddhism when you hear the word meditate, because that, that's, kind of that's kind of like a foreign word almost, like, what is, how do you meditate? Isn't that sinful? Uh, but, it's, but it's not. Uh, the, the thing is that we have to understand there, there's two different ways to meditate. Um, in my studying, um, if you want to know the difference, um, in Buddhism, you have... Um, people who meditate, and by the way, there's about a thousand plus different ways of meditation in Buddhism. But the end goal is this. In Buddhism, you take all of your life struggles, you take all of your anxiety, you take all of your problems, all of your anger, and you basically, by spending quiet time and by getting in a certain posture, you, you, kind, of, you kind of think it out of your mind. And the result of that is you give yourself wisdom, enlightenment, and understanding. And that's probably a pretty basic definition of what uh, Buddhist meditation is. So now I want to show you the difference between that and Christian meditation. Because meditation is a biblical word. We just read it in the Bible, so it's not a bad thing. But the question is, what's the right way and what's the wrong way to do that? Because there's got to be a right way and a wrong way to do it. So meditate on your wondrous works. I think the best way to um, maybe render a translation of that is uh, to call something to mind. So first off, that's the exact opposite from Buddhism because Buddhism says you think it out of your mind. Um, Christian meditation says you call it to mind. You deal with it. Um, you don't get it out of your life. And I think for us, when we think of meditation, we want to do what the, what the Buddhist way of doing it is. We try to get it out of our mind. We try to just, I don't want to think about sorrow. I don't want to think about all the bad things in my life. Just get it out. Just get it out. And Christian meditation is the opposite of that. It's calling it to mind. Um, but, it, but it goes further than that. We don't just call something to mind and deal with it ourselves. We call... God to our minds, and not just God, but his wondrous works. 
Um, make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. I will call your wondrous works to mind. I will think of your wondrous works. I will actively respond to the wondrous works that you've done. So, okay, here's the next question. Of course, how do we do that? Well, here's, here's um, a couple verses, um, and I, you're, you'll probably be maybe a little uh, surprised at, at this. Um, but here's some, there, there are different ways that we can do this. Here's the first one. Psalm 105.5 says, remember the wondrous works that he's done. Remember, remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. So let's go back to verse 25. How do we remember anything that Jesus has done? How do we remember anything, the wondrous works that God has done, if we're not in the Bible? We can't. We can't call them to mind. Life experiences are not our standard for God's wondrous works because, again, we can't interpret those life experiences without the clarity that the Bible gives us. So if you learn to meditate, if you learn to understand this, your knowledge of the Bible will increase because the way that we meditate is calling the things of the Scriptures to mind. Here's the second one, Psalm 107.8. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them thank the Lord. How do we do that? Well, we pray, don't we? We pray to God. We praise him. We thank him for what he's done. Without prayer, we can't meditate. Without prayer, we can't thank God for the wondrous works that he has done, for the things that he's gifted us with. And then here's, here's the next one. Uh, this is First Chronicles 16.9. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Do you know that when we gather here on Sunday mornings, and maybe some of the reason that you enjoy worship uh, so much here is because we're singing to God. And obviously, yeah, duh, we sing to God when we worship. But we're meditating on his wondrous works according to the scriptures. The way that we do that is we sing. So that's kind of interesting because usually we think of meditation as quiet, don't say a word, don't do anything, which is true. But another way of doing that is by what we do. We gather here, we, we praise God with music, we clap our hands, we make a, a big deal of what he does. So here's a question that I want to ask all of you. Why is it that you enjoy every aspect of Sunday mornings here so much? It's because we're actively doing everything that we just read for what describes meditation. We gather together, we sing, we gather together, we pray, and we gather together and we get into the Word of God. There is a reason why we order um, worship services the way that we do. We don't just say, well, people really like music and, you know, people really like, you know, reading some Bible verses. And, you know, of course we pray a lot here. So there's that. We don't do it because of that. We do it because that is how we gather together and meditate on the wondrous works of God. And that is why we walk out of here encouraged, strengthened, joyful, in close relationship with each other, in, in unity with each other, is because we've just exercised all of the things that God has told us to, reading, praying, and meditating. But if the only time that you do that is when you come here, there's a reason why you're about 10 steps away from being dead when you get here on Sundays. 
there's a reason why you get here and you're just, I just don't know if I can even just, just bear another day. Well, have you read? Have you been in, in God's word? Have you prayed? Have you meditated? No, I haven't done any of those things. It has a lot to do with why we are so weary when we come in here. And, and listen, I'm not saying that we have to come in here being all just spiritually empowered and everything's going great because that is not the design of the church. If we didn't need strengthening, if we didn't need unity, God would not have even called us to be a church. But what I am saying is this should be just the, the, just the finale of everything that last week was. This shouldn't be the only time that we get scripture, that we get prayer, that we get meditation. This, this should just be just, just an overflow of what our entire week has been. And that's why myself, Pastor Greg, Pastor Jordan, just over and over again, read, pray, meditate, read, pray, meditate. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why we mention it so much, because that is not just these three lists of things that we do. That is your life. That's your lifestyle. That's your identity in Christ to meditate on his words, to be in relationship with him and his word, to speak to him, to confess to him, to wait for him to answer you in prayer. That is not just stuff we do. That, that is what dictates our entire life every day. And we stumble around just confused, nervous, just the smallest of things can just, just erupt and just throw our entire day off because we've spent no time doing those things. And yet we think we're supposed to be bold and strong and all this kind of stuff, but we're not even doing the things that God has provided for us to be bold and strong. You neglect those things and this will be the outcome. Psalm 106, 7. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. So if we don't do those things, the only natural progression is rebellion. You check your life. You check the sins that you've fallen into. You check the temptations that are constantly just overcoming you. You ask yourself, am I spending that time reading, praying, and meditating? Because if I'm not, the only thing I can expect is rebellion from God and rebellion from his people. If you have no desire to come here, if you have no desire to worship, if you have no desire to be in a church, but you don't read, you don't pray, you don't meditate, there's a reason why. You will give yourself over to a rebellious heart. That's what the Bible says. So it's not just a good idea to read, pray, and meditate. It's vital or else we're all going to be rebellious people. We're all going to just, our lives are going to be actually just chaotic. So I'm not just encouraging you as one of your pastors to do this. I'm pleading with you. Because if you don't, you're not just your life, but the life of everybody that you have influence in will suffer because of it. So hopefully you see that if we're doing one of them, but we're not doing the other two, we're actually not doing the one that we think we're doing very well because they, they all feed off of each other. Um, but here's just a final warning um, in verse, verse 28. I think it's probably good to address this, uh, get ready to close this out. But I, I want to touch on this before the worship team comes up. This is uh, verse 28. 
My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Now, that seems almost like a, like a, just kind of redundant. It's like, okay, that's almost the same thing as what verse 25 says. But I think there's a reason that that is there after those three verses we've just read. It's because, listen, we say, I don't want to be legalistic. I don't have, I don't have to read, pray, and meditate every day because that's legalism. But for those of us who do, you better be careful that you're not doing it in a way of legalism because here's what happens. God, I read, I prayed, I meditated on your word. Why did you not give me this? We had a deal. We, we made an agreement. If I do all these things, you're going to just clean up my life. You're going to make, you, you're going to really just talk to my boss. You're going to give me that promotion that I so dearly deserve. What happened? We had a deal. That's legalism. And, and that's, that's trying to just kind of bend God a little bit to get what we want which is idolatry. So listen, the psalmist doesn't say, read, pray, meditate, and your life will be free from sorrow. Read, pray, meditate, and you will more clearly see your sorrow. But read, pray, meditate, and there will be strength for you. I want you to consider this that Jesus says. Here's the last verse I'm going to touch on. This is from John 16:33. He has the disciples. He's spending some really close, intimate time with them before he is arrested and crucified. And here's what he says to them. Of all the things that Jesus could say, here's what he says. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Boom, there it is. So the first thing we can do is we can try to question God of why our life is a certain way. We can try to question God of why this is happening, why this hasn't come through yet. But listen, he has promised that we will have tribulation in this world. It's a given. And every day that you don't is a grace, is a gift, is a mercy of God because that is not the norm in a world that is tainted with sin. But there's something else he says. He doesn't stop there. He says, take heart, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I think what he's getting at is don't base your happiness off of this world because it it will sell you short and you will come up empty. But take heart. I think that's another way of saying don't base your happiness on the world, but be joyful in my overcoming of the world. Because we really buy into this cheap idea of happiness that is dependent on us and our decisions and everybody around us. And listen, when we have our decisions just lined out perfectly and somebody else comes along and messes it up, we get mad at them because we had it all figured out in our minds. But the reality is this. In me you may have peace, not in the world, not base your happiness off of if there's sorrow or not sorrow, but base your happiness, base your joy off of my triumph, off of my victory, off of my conquering, off of my overcoming of the world. And if we don't take that to heart, we will fall into cheap legalistic happiness. God, I did all these things. Why in the world is there sorrow in my life? But you forget that we have a promise of heaven. You forget that there is the better, not just the better, but there's the perfect to come. 
We, we just want it now. We just want, we just want everything now. But God hasn't promised us everything now. He's promised us victory near to us. And we have to look at that. And as we're looking to that, we have to read, we have to pray, we have to meditate. Because if we don't, we will have absolutely no concentration, no clarity on God. We will be asking this question, God, where are you at? God, where are you at? God, where are you at? We'll be asking that over and over again because we're missing him where he said he can be found. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So I just want to ask all of you who are not on the worship team uh, to just kind of bow your heads here for a minute and just spend some time thinking about that because... You know, as I've said, we can really fall into a dangerous trap. We can fall into a trap if we, if we do these things, and we can fall into a trap if we don't do them. But the, what we have to look at is our motive behind. Why do I read? Why do I pray? Why do I meditate? Is it because I love the Lord? Is it because I want to be close to my Savior? Or is it because I really want something, and I think I can probably get it if I do these things? So I want to ask you guys to pray with me. I want to ask you to just consider maybe what God has shown you this morning. I want to ask you to just go back and study. Go back and read what we've gone over. An hour is really not long enough to cover everything that's in God's Word by any stretch of the imagination. So let's pray and let's ask God to do what He wants to do in us individually. Well, thanks for listening, friend. I hope that you have been encouraged and that you have really learned something from the Word of God, especially as it relates to our practice of reading, praying, and meditating. If you're enjoying the episodes here on the Better Bible Reading Podcast, I would be very appreciative if you could go over and rate this podcast on iTunes. As well, if you have any suggestions or requests for upcoming episodes, you can reach me simply by going to betterbiblereading.com forward slash ask, and you can submit your questions very easily from there. But any kind of topics that you would like to see covered, I would be super glad to do that for you. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. I look forward to getting you another episode next week. Take care.